for me, it's been a home run in two ways, on the racetrack and also building our brand here in Australia in our business. We finished first or second every year since 05, um, which was... Uh, I knew it was fast before, and I proved it very it's, it's motor racing, you know, you can't really just look at the last race of the year. You have to look at, uh, it starts at Adelaide and it ends at Newcastle. But... From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock is continuing his recovery and we hope to have him back on the show next week. This week's guests are Richard Holway and Tim Edwards. Richard talks to us about his years in supercars and some of the drivers he has worked with, along with how GRM is working with the Tanda Goulding combination. Tim Edwards looks at how rebranding Tickford Racing has been received and gives us his thoughts. The Super Knight 300, along with a number of other issues in and around supercars at the moment. Well, this week sees the long-awaited return of night racing in supercars. Sydney Motorsport Park is ready for one night shootout of 300 points in value. The drivers are every bit as excited about the race as the fans. Shane Van Gisbergen giving us his thoughts. Yep, it's probably the most important race of the year, single driver event. You know, it's 300 kilometres, 300 points. It's, um, I don't know the right word to put it, but it's, it's up there and how important the race is. Yeah, it's a big wild card, you're right. Um, so yeah, we need to be, be on it there. Um, I'm glad they made it the long track. The short one would have been boring as anything. The long track's going to be put up a good good fight. It'll be it'll be an awesome event. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Fabian Coulthard has been confirmed at Dick Johnson Team Penske for 2019. The confirmation has come after earlier this year. Speculation on his future in pit lane was abound, as he had not been able to match the results of his teammate. But with a win at Winton and solid performance since then. It has quietened the jungle drums and the confirmation from the team this week provide the new dad of twins with job security for another year. Now, Dick Johnson Racing Team Penske don't announce the length of driver contracts, but they have confirmed to Inside Supercars that Coulthard and McLaughlin have multi-year deals with the team. Jason Bright has uh, been announced as the replacement endurance driver with Lee Holsworth at Preston Higher Racing. He will replace Matthew Brabham, who was asked to step aside by the team following the Queensland round. Bright's return will see him jump into the car for the first time since Newcastle last year. Bright has been in pit lane this year providing driver coaching and assistance to young drivers in the V8 Touring Car Series, while continuing to manage his own business task force. Bright hopes to add to his 20 race wins from 573 race starts. Coming up after the break on Inside Supercars, we meet Richard Holway. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. 
Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to uh, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Richard Holloway, it's a pleasure to catch up with you. Um, first of all, everyone calls you crusty. How did you get that? Um, back in... I used to work for HSV Engineering with... Um, Peter Starr, Robbie Starr's brother, and yeah, he used to just every morning watch. He'd watch The Simpsons, and we, you know, we'd watch The Simpsons the night before, and he'd um, do a pretty good crusty impersonation, and that cracked me up. And yeah, I don't know, he just started calling me crusty, and sort of stuck. Yeah, so there wasn't a whole lot to it, but yeah. So yeah, Robbie Starr's brother, Peter Starr's responsible for that. Now, when you got the GRM, they wanted to try and change it, didn't they? They wanted to call you Patches. Or something? Yeah, well, that was. Um, yeah, Lee said, you know, that the GRM boys weren't really great fans of the Warpature HRT thing, so yeah, everything had to change. So Patches is, I think, a combination of um, Patches O'Houlihan from Dodgeball, the bloke <laughs> drinks his own urine, <laughs> the old bloke throws spanners. And, You're that um, grumpy, are you? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, Lee, Lee thought I was a sort of, yeah, a bit grumpy. And... Um, and yeah, I've been on the patch all the time, so it was sort of come from that. Yeah, but, so yeah, it's a combination of patches and crusty and whatever else. Yeah. Now, you started in motor motor ring, or started as a mechanic, I guess, with Nissan. Uh, yeah, no, mechanical engineering, and I started at. So I did uni in Adelaide, and I come over. My first job was at Government Aircraft Factories in um, Port Melbourne. That's Boeing now, I think. In the composites, I, I guess. I kind of thought to get into motorsport, you know, composites, carbon fibre is going to be the the way of the future, which I guess it is, but probably not in, in Australian motorsport. Um, and so, yeah, I, I thought, yeah, I'll, um, I'll go down that path, and, yeah, that was good. I mean, that was, you know, a production facility. We were making bits for F-18s and um, Black Hawk helicopters and that sort of thing. I did that for, I think, two and a half, three years. And then I went to Nissan... Uh, road cars, which is which Clayton, which is so where where we were was where HRT is now. That building on the corner there. So um, no, that was really good. That was interesting. I mean, that was uh, I did. I was involved in engines, and then I went into suspension and and tyres and shocks and springs. And I guess that's where I kind of got my interest in that side of it. Um, and uh, yeah, no, that was good. I mean, we. You'd basically take a design from Japan and tune it, you know, and, and you know, we always thought our our calibration was better than the Japanese one, so, and, and that was, yeah, that was, was good. You, you know, I think it really helps in what I do now to have that experience with, um, a, 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 you know, driving a car yourself and sort of understanding. It helps you understand what the driver's talking about when he's, when he's, uh, you, know, what, you know, explaining what he wants in the car. Yeah. So... You said you did engineering in Adelaide. Yeah. Was it something like, was it the Grand Prix that focused no, your interest? Really or how did you have it? No, from day one. Yeah, my my, um, my grandfather raced and 
and dad was you know he's he was he's uh, been involved like he's worked for Chrysler and Mitsubishi he was involved in the Chrysler you know the charges with the race program through there and yeah he's, he loves motorsport and uh, still does and, and um, you know yeah that's that's where my interest came from and I guess um, yeah I just wanted to get involved and chase your dreams I go I mean it was when I started it was probably I mean it's still hard to get into but in terms of professional engineers in in pit lane I reckon there would have only been two or three you know you're Ross Holder maybe and and maybe Campbell Little and a few others but in terms of you know professional being through uni whereas now there's hundreds of them you know yeah everybody's you almost can't get a job unless you've got an engineering well yeah I mean and that's yeah I mean that's that's right I mean we we look pretty hard at the SAE guys, a lot of good guys come through there and, and uh, that's a really good program and sort of um, filters them out a bit, you know, because if you've been able to work in that team environment, then that's very important. So. They've got a pretty good mentor in that too with Ron Heronek. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, that's a, that's a good, good program for sure, yeah. You've worked with some amazing drivers over the journey, like talking about Nissan, then HRT years. It's been... Uh, quite a, an interesting and diverse set of characters yeah yeah absolutely no I mean work with Brocky and yeah I was thinking about it this morning I'm trying to think like back with even Wynn Percy Wayne Gardner um, when I started Thomas Mazzieri is a great dude you know it's really helpful yeah fantastic like yeah never left anything on the table um, yeah no all that through that era and then obviously Murph Lounsey yeah some really some greats obviously Scafie was a big part um um, and yeah, all that, all through that era, yeah, and then um, yeah, Scotty as well. So you know, some really good drivers. One that you got involved with when you moved to when GRM moved to Volvo was um, Alex Bremer. How was that? How was that experience dealing with someone who English isn't the first language, a very different background to the Australian guys, probably more like Thomas in some ways. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, no, int- yeah, interesting with, yeah, like you say, a bit of a language barrier. Um, I mean, the different, yeah, quite quite aggressive, you know, the European style is, um, yeah, a lot more aggressive. And, I mean, it was probably frustrating for him that um, these cars don't do what, you know, he'd come out of LMP1 and, you know, like yeah, t- testing for Formula 1 teams and, and um, Formula 3000, he'd, he'd done really well. You know, won Macau, so... Had a good pedigree, but I think, yeah, he was always frustrated about, you know, the sort of, they're, they're quite a slow, you know, like a, uh, yeah, just lots of finesse and feel required rather than just all out balls, which I think he was, yeah, I think if you, you know, um, yeah, DTM and that sort of high downforce stuff is probably more suited to his style, but he obviously, he did a good job coming, you know, adjusting his style and coming, you know, coming back to what's needed in these cars. Um, no, he was he was yeah, good good fun to work with. Great great guy, really yeah, very nice person. And you mentioned a, a, a young Scott McLaughlin, but you know he's now seems to be the heir apparent to uh, the Lowndes mantle. Who was the heir apparent to the Scape mantle? Who was the heir apparent to the, the Brock mantle? Is that how you see Scott? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's very talented. Got you know very talented, uh, very talented steer, and you know. A, you know, a bloody good bloke along with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty special. It's pretty special talent, and I guess we saw that pretty early on. Um, 
and uh, yeah, no, it was, I was I was lucky enough to work with him for four years. You know, you can see he was gonna he's, he's you know he's gonna win championships, um, probably lots of them. But uh, no, nah, it's great to you know to have worked with him, and you know probably I guess I could say I probably helped him a little bit along the way at the start there. He you know a few things that he, he I, I dusted off a cap the other day that said. I never thought it was his first pole position cap and he'd written on it. I never thought I'd get one of these and now he's probably, I don't know, he's probably got 50 of them. Who knows? But no, it's just stuff like that. So he's, he's uh, no, and, and like I say, a great, great bloke, you know, really good person. Yeah. When you, because you can't make a driver fast, how can you see in a young driver that they are naturally fast? Oh, I mean, that's the, you know, that's the thing you, you sort of, um, it's, you, you want a bloke that you're winding back, you know, not that, that you sort of go, you know, come on, mate, you know, we're going to have to pick it up. You, know, you want a bloke that's, that's um, yeah, beyond it and, and having, you know... With these cars, it's definitely, it's, yeah, it's finesse, so you want somebody that's... That's probably the thing that um, they're, yeah, they're right on the, right on the ragged edge and, and, you know, that's probably not as... Um, that's not going to be the quickest, but they're not scared of it. So you sort of know with a bit of a tidy up, they're going to be all right. Yeah. Things have sort of come full circle for you now. You're back with Garth Tender. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I didn't work... We, we did a couple of enduros together, and obviously when I was involved in that, uh, in the Walk and Shore group when we had the toll and the, and the HRT sort of running in conjunction, I was kind of um, overseeing both engineer and both so I was sort of involved in both camps there and but yeah never sort of directly engineered we did work you know Bathurst Sandown um, and um, yeah you know obviously worked we were pretty familiar with each other from that era and then yeah it was good to see him come back and and uh, yeah he's still going as good as ever. What's made Garth so successful over such a long period and particularly as a racer because that's where he seems to excel in give him Enough laps, and he'll carry the car as far forward as it can possibly go. I, I think you summed it up, mate. I mean, he's just a... You know, he, he's... Um, you know, he, he's as hard out as as hungry and, and determined and um, as he's ever been. And, um, and he's just a great racer. I mean, you know, like, it's interesting. I saw Gizzy... We, after Simmons, we had a we went to the Longford pub and Gizzy was there and we were looking at artifacts and whatever else on the on the wall and we started talking about Garth and he said he just loves racing Garth because he's hard but he he does it's, he's hard but fair right to the limit and he's just a great racer and um, I think that pretty much sums him up you know like he's just hard at it and he doesn't do anything um, He's not dirty, but he's, you know, like he's hard at it. And if you pass Cartan, you've done a good job, sort of thing. So, um, no, it was interesting. You know, Scotty used to say the same thing about him back. At, you know, like geez, he's a good racer. He puts his car in the right spot. He's hard to pass. He's, you know, and you watch the. I mean, every race I watch the first couple of laps. It's just like unbelievable. Like this, some of the crazy stuff he does. But it, it, you know, it's like you can't fit the car in there, and he has. So, um, no, nah, it's fantastic. So, just a really good racer. Very determined. I mean, yeah, very uh, just um, driven, you know, and still is, you know, yeah. Is there a big difference in the personalities of a young driver like Scott McLaughlin, who's coming up, and Garth, who's been at the pinnacle and uh, at the top level for a long time? 
Well, the interesting thing I, I reckon with Garth this year is, is, and what's probably surprised me, is how helpful he's been to James Golding. Like it's, you know, like they're a competitive bunch, and you can imagine the sort of politics with if there's a ta- chance to dud the other one. I mean, rule number one's beat your teammate, so um, you know. In the past, I've, I've had some, you know, some combos where they're basically you know, at war. And, um, I mean, Garth in that department, probably when he was Scotty's age, was pretty good at that side of it. Um, but he's, yeah, no, he's, you know, like, really impressed me with how um, he's, you know, prepared to help and, you know, he's, you know, anything that James asks him or whatever, I mean, they're still at it and they're still racing each other, but um, he's been good to, you know, mentor him without babying him, you know, like, he's, he's hard at it, but... So that's been, a, you know, that's a good, um, good trait. That is that a, an ethos thing here at GRM that it, it's expected more, or it's Gary and Barry's philosophy? No, I wouldn't say so. No, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think it's. I think it's just Garth's sort of. I mean, Garth um, probably sees he's smart enough to realise that, um, you know, for the good of the team, that's probably the best thing he can do. Um, you know, get get a help the guy get up to speed quickly and I mean in some respects he needs you know it, it, it's the pro centre thing is what you know ultimately that's what you're chasing you you want two um, rocket you know rocket ship cars racing each other and you'll get you get free time like that's what you know Scafe and Lounge every weekend you get you get free time because they you know race each other they look at the data and then I can do that you know, he's two tenths quicker there and I'm two tenths quicker there. They match it up and then all of a sudden you haven't done anything. It's an engineer. They're just racing each other and off they go. So in reality, he needs a bit of that because, um, and you know, like he needs to be pushed and, and, and that's that's happening. And, you know, James, we're, we're getting stuff off James's car and go, oh, shit, you know, we'll try that or look at the vision and different line or different way, different gear or different whatever, you know, so... That's important, and I think, um, yeah, Garth's smart enough to realise that's uh, a, um, you know, to, to build the team. Um, I mean, he, he's totally, I guess that's the other thing, I've, he's very comfortable where he's at. He's, he's not, you know, he doesn't have to prove anything, doesn't have to, you know, he's won championships, he's won Bathurst, he's, he's very, uh, you know, happy with his, where he's at with his family and everything else. Like he's, so it's not like, you know, he's sort of chest beating, he's... You know, go your hardest, young fellas. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, you know, want to do my thing and win some races and do the best I can. So, um, no, he's, it's good to work with him. Are you? Do you enjoy motor racing now as much as you did when you came out of uni? Or when, when you first got in the uh, paddock, I should say. Yeah, I, 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 I pro- yeah, good question. I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, I guess it, it, in some respects, it's sort of. Yeah, no, probably the sort of excitement of it. But, but you, yeah, you, you still love it, you know, you still... I mean, I can't imagine doing anything else. You'd be, you'd be bored. I mean, it's great. It's a great thing, great uh, um, sport to work in, meet great people, and, you're, and the competition's a thing, you know, like you're really striving, you, you know, you get that feedback today, come 11th, you know, we want to win, we've got to do better, we've got to make better parts, got to be faster, so you're always... Just looking for that edge, and that, that's what makes it interesting. You can make a contribution and see the 
the results of your efforts next weekend, you know, whereas some jobs you slug away forever and you never really see what, you know, what, what you're doing it for. So it's, a, it's great in that respect. Yeah, it's definitely but, tangible. But then, yeah, but then obviously if you're going not so good, like we're having a bit of a rough trot at the moment, then, yeah, it makes it tough. But like Gary always says, it's when we're, you know, when we're not going so well, that's when, you know, the team pulls together and do your best and it's a sort of uh, measure of a team, I guess. Yeah, yep. Well, so much more we could talk about, but uh, thanks very much for your time today. No problem at all. Pleasure. Cheers, mate. My thanks to Richard Holway for his time. After the break, it's Tim Edwards on Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Well, Tim Edwards, seven months now since the rebranding to Tickford Racing. How has it been for the organisation? Yeah, no, it's been good. I mean, I think last year we went through the year with... um, the automotive business just using the Tickford brand and the race team being ProDrive Racing um, and I don't think a lot of the public sort of drew the direct connection between the two businesses they are two separate businesses but certainly changing the name to Tickford Racing has um, is, is joined the dot so to speak for a lot of the public um, but it's also great because bringing that the Tickford brand and the, back to life, you know, there's a bit of history there as well so it's also uh, um, you know that's been great to do as well what has been the biggest advantage of it? Oh, well, I mean, w- w- when you look at what we're doing in the automotive sector with the Mustang and the Ranger, um, you know, part of what we do here at the racetrack is also promoting the, that brand. So, you know, it's a, it's a marketing tool for the road car business. Um, but it's also, you know, it's as much about, you know, when you want to follow a team, you know, it's, it's important that the name of the team, and it's all, it's all part of it. And, and obviously, as I said, there's a lot of history goes with Tickford, you know, almost 200 years old, which a lot of people don't realise. But, you know, it dates back to a coach building business in the, in the UK. And we've been over and seen the factory, and, uh, which is in Tickford Street, which all still exists. So, um, yeah, it's great to bring an old brand like that back to life as well. Challenges ahead the night race, and then on to Tail and Bend. How are you firstly looking at what Sydney Motorsport Park is going to be on a racing front and then in a front for what it might mean for the future of the sport? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the, the, the night race is uh, it's an interesting concept. You know, we've sort of we've talked about, um, you know, trialling different formats, etc. over the last few years, and we're actually obviously going to do that. Yeah, ticket sales have been... Yeah, very impressive. So it, it would seem that the public are embracing the idea as well. But there's a lot. There's a lot at stake. Um, 300 kilometres in the dark around Sydney Motorsport Park with 300 points up for grab. You know, there's a lot at stake. So it's um, you know everybody's going to have their full attention on it. Is a situation where you've got a 300k race for 300 points. Is that a good? Is that actually a good thing? Same points as Bathurst. Is there a bit of a gerrymander going on with the point system? And 
has it always been there and it just this has made it a little bit more obvious? No, well, I think, you know, whoever wins that race and collects 300 points on the night has earned it because it's going to be one of the hardest races the drivers do for the year. You know, don't, don't forget, you know, they, they go to, to Adelaide and, um, and race 250 kilometres on their own. Nowhere do they race 300 kilometres on their own without a co-driver to, to support them. So not only is there the physical, you know, demands on the drive for that, it's the, it's the concentration for that extended period um, which is really going to tax the drivers so you know if you win you, you know you've genuinely earned those 300 points speaking of nathan prenagast and what he's been looking at for supercars media and the television coverage what have you looked at for the car to make the car uh, better presented for that uh, well i mean all, all the teams are looking at that you know to to try and um you know have the right appeal so you know everybody's doing their own thing but you know probably no one wants to talk about what they're actually planning on doing we have seen uh, walkinshaw trialing some of their stuff for the pit garage and for that aspect of it and that fan interaction yeah standing out there is that something you're going down yeah absolutely you know everybody's got to look at well you know how are you going to do your pit stop how are you going to make sure that the guys have got enough illumination out there that they can actually see the wheel nut or (laughs) or the damper or whatever else they might you know you don't forget you know we don't just change um wheels during a pit stop quite often we're making suspension adjustments as well well how are you going to get in there in the pitch black um it might be fine that they've got lights out on the track you know showing the drivers where the corners are but the pit crew also need to have that but it'll also be part of the visual appeal of the whole thing as well that the um uh you know all the lights and the the color of it you you gotta remember you know we're in show business and so it's all part of the theater of it um and we know the sound and the noise these cars make etc is part of the show and i think you know under lights, it'll be quite a spectacle as well. Is that as exciting as going to Tail and Bend for the next round? Well, they're just very different. You know, the the, the under lights concept is uh, is one thing. Going to a new track is always, you know, it's like if you get a new car, you know, something new and you know, new and shiny is all always um, um, interesting. You know, obviously, nobody's really been there, so it's a level playing field for everybody. But it looks like they've built quite a spectacular facility there, so I think everyone's pretty keen to get there and and have a run. Are both these tracks an additional cost on teams when we talk about racing at night and the challenges for that and then going to a new track and the challenges of just trying to get the data? And, or is that all actually labour, not so much technical? Oh, well, the, the only additional cost really is just going to Sydney and having some some different illumination or some different stickers, etc. You know, there's not a huge cost there. Um, Taylor Men, well, that's just like going to any track. There's no additional cost. Uh, the... Uh, um, the bright sparks, the engineers, you know, they're, they're employed full time anyway. So when they've got to get their grey matter around a new track or a current track. You know, it's all just part of the challenge for them. So there's no additional cost there. The night race has brought up another bit of fun in the media about the talk about going to summer again. Is that something that, that the, the higher levels, those heady levels that you're up at, uh, you've been talking about? <laughs> well, uh, I've been in the sport now for 14 years and it's come up on numerous occasions. Every second that, year. Yeah is, it every, yeah, is it that often? Yeah. Um, so, look, I mean, you know, it's, there's a lot of positives, you know, that I can think of for doing it, but whether it'll ever happen, God only knows. You know, there's a, there's a lot of different um, factors that that define our calendar and uh, you know I've sat on the board and the commission for over a decade now and I know what goes into pulling a calendar together and you've got you know at the moment you've got 16 separate agreements with different circuits and governments and you know and you know you've got to not conflict with 
other things they've got on or you do need to be in a certain window because that's a school holiday or you can't be on that window because it clashes with the flower and garden show and you'd be amazed at the things that come up when you're looking at the calendar. And there's also certain events that you don't like their place in the calendar and so there would be a lot of discussions to take place if, and I say if, if it was ever to get off the ground, which is probably why it's been bandied around every two years, as you say, for the last 14 years since I've been involved. And, uh, and it's yet to, yet to happen, but certainly I, I think there's a, there's a lot of merits in it, but I've always thought that, but the reality is <laughs> it may never happen. There has to be an appetite for it at the senior level, though. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> you, you, you just think about it. You know, you think about what we're doing in Sydney Motorsport Park, you know, running sort of that sort of 6 to 9 o'clock window. Yep. Well, in summer, you wouldn't actually need lights to do that because the, the sun's up and you know well, it's I, like I'd, all the bank I'd, holiday British touring I, I'd, I'd suggest that you know people would much rather be sitting around at 8pm on a Saturday night in their shorts and singlets in the warmth <laughs> than you know with 20 layers on so you know when you just do the, the basic thought process like that you go oh well that, that kind of makes sense and then you've got all the other things about competing with AFL and all yeah, so but you know it, it's still you know the you know, with every positive, there's a negative, and you know, someone will give you another reason, ten reasons why it mightn't be a good idea. So that's why you know it's been talked about a lot. Every day, it gets off the ground. Who knows? You still loving it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't. But yeah, considering I came back from Europe 17 years ago to get out of motorsport, and this is I've been 14 years here now, so it's taken 14 years for the Grand Prix to get interesting again. Yeah. Well, certainly qualifying last night was definitely interesting. Tim, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks for your time. Cheers. A final thought next on Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every every year I see Jackie's tour at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself of of his part in in starting the the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. This week's final thought is more a question without an answer. Why has it taken 21 years since the last time there was a night race on Australian soil? We'll get to enjoy it once again this weekend. And for the record books, Wayne Gardner won the first race under lights. It was race two of round one of the 1997 championship. Well, you know, it was quite an emotional moment because it was a real battle to get up to the front and, and you know, it's been obviously a tyre struggle and it's been set-up struggle, it's been a money and funding struggle. It's, you, you can't believe what we've been through and so it's a real emotional moment, I think, for the team on anything and, uh, you know, and to race up and, and Russell and all the really good, good guys here, uh, it's, a, it's a good feeling to beat them today and I'm very, very proud. Glenn Seaton won race three with Gardner taking the round and the championship lead into round two at Phillip Island. Our thanks to Network 10 for the audio with Gardner there. Well, we look forward to having Tony Whitlock back with us soon. Get well soon, Tony. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device, search Inside Supercars.